This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Deacon Danny Cahoot. And Solomon got a lot of his writings from his father, David. We'll bounce back and, and pull a few of them out this morning out of Psalms. But Solomon, he, he, he asked for wisdom and he was the wisest man, the scripture tells us, that ever walked. And there'll never be anybody else like him. And he said in chapter 1 that in, in much wisdom, there's much grief and much sorrow, much pain, pain, the wiser he become. Because you can also see the unwisdom, the, the people that are not wise, the people that are ignorant, the people that do stupid things. You understand why it's happening to them and they're just walking in ignorance. So the more you learn and the more you understand the right things, righteousness, the holiness of God, and you look at people that neglect that, it's painful to see somebody just falling off a cliff. And, and you know, hey, if you keep going like that, you're going to fall right off the cliff, and that's painful. And so Solomon, through a course of his, what he's doing, he, he had built an empire. He had gotten a massive amount of riches, and he had built all these things. But he began to just, let's read this verse here. In verse 17, this is after he, this is 17, chapter 2, verse 17. After he acquired all of these things, he said, therefore, I hated life. It doesn't mean, if you look at the context of it, that he hate, hated being alive. He hated life in general because he had done all these things and worked and, and had, had achieved all this stuff. And he's going to die and leave it to somebody else that don't deserve it, that hasn't worked. And, and he's just looking at, at the folly of man itself, everything that he ever did. He's going to die and it's going to all go to them and they're going to squander it away and not be wise. So he said, therefore I hated life because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous to me. You'll see that under the sun throughout the whole Ecclesiastes. Under the sun is everything that we've got here on this earth apart from redemption under the sun while we're alive. While we've got the breath of life of us, everything we do, everything we say, everything we fight, everything we destroy, everything we build, everything, everything in life under the sun, once we're dead, that's gone. And none of it really matters. So he said, verse 17, Therefore I hated life because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous to me. I'm pain, I work every day, sun up, sun down, sun up, sun down, and now I'm going to die and just leave it to somebody who's going to inherit all this, and they're not going to have to work at all for it. For all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Therefore I hated all of my labor which I had taken the son, because I should leave it unto the man that should be after me. And who knoweth whether he should be a wise man or a fool? Yet shall he shall have rule over all my labor wherein I labored, wherein I have showed myself wise unto the son. Therefore I went about to cause my heart to despair. He went into depression. And if you dwell on negative and dwell on that long enough on anything in your life, you just dwell on the negative, you'll cause your heart to despair. And it's very easy for any one of us to see, sink into depression. And that's what, he, that's what happened to him. He said, I begin to be depressed. I may, I, this caused my heart to despair. That means he became very depressed because he's thinking about 
everything he's going to leave behind instead of enjoying what he's got while he's here. Okay. There we are. Let's, let's, uh, verse 23. Let's skip to verse 23 of chapter 2. For all of his days, all of man's days, the one that works, the one that toils, the one that works in, in, in all, all of his days are sorrows in his travail. Travail is painful effort. It's grief. His heart taketh not in rest at night. Because that's all he's thinking about is leaving what is behind instead of thinking about, hey, the next couple of verses. He gives us some instructions on this. Verse 24. For there is nothing better for a man. This is under the sun now, apart from redemption. That he should eat and drink. And she, he should make his soul enjoy the good in his labor. This also I saw it was from the hand of God. Hey, enjoy it while you're here. Enjoy some things while you're here. Work and enjoy what little bit you can enjoy. And don't get caught up on what's going to be left behind you. That's vanity. That's, that, 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 that'll cause someone to, to total despair. Okay, and now we're going to go and skip to, we'll go to chapter 3. And uh, read this first verse. And there's so much in this one first verse that the more I studied it, it just, just blew me away. Chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes, verse 1. To everything, there is a season and a time and a purpose under heaven. There's no way of telling when good things or terrible things will happen. You can't know that. God does what he does without us knowing the entire meaning of it all. Yet God makes everything beautiful in this season. I'm going to, get to skip a verse here and go down to that, and we're going to bounce back up to verse 1. Even the darkest of seasons. Okay, in verse 2 it says, It's a time to be born and a time to die. That's a set time. That's a season. The season of life for all of us. Now skip down to verse 11, and I'll bounce back up. Chapter 3, verse 11. He... God hath made everything beautiful in his time. It's all his time. Also, he hath set the world in the hearts of men. I'm, I'm adding a little bit, but this is what he's, what he's saying. So that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. I know there is no good thing in them but for man to rejoice and do good in his life. And also every man should eat and drink and enjoy good in his labor. It is a gift from God. I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it. Nothing can be taken from it. God doeth it that men should fear before him. So something terrible might be going on in our, in our lives. And we spend our time trying to figure things out. If we die and we go on, we don't know the end of it because it's in God's time he makes it beautiful. Something beautiful will eventually happen out of that. He's made everything beautiful in his time, not our time. We want to know right now. We want to know today. We want, to, we want answers right now, but hey, it's not that way. Well, some things we will never know. The seasons under the sun, 
We'll go back up to that verse 1 of chapter 3. To everything there is a season and a time and a purpose under heaven. Now that word season, you've got your seasons in the fall, you've got your season in the winter, you've got your seasons in the summer, and you've got your season in the spring. In the winter time, as, as everything is dormant, everything's dead, getting prepared for the, for the new growth, the new birth, and the new things in the spring. The spring has its season, it comes and goes. The summer has its heat and it comes and goes. The, the winter comes and everything is dormant again. But also, there's a, you can break seasons down to season series on things, like TVs, there's a season, a series. I watch a, 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 a tuna fishing show and it says, this is season number three. You season food to make it taste better. That's a season. That's a seasoning. You season wood. Me and my brother have been cutting wood. You have to season wood, and it's a time of seasoning where that has to season before it's any good. So wood season. There's a to everything. There is a season. There's a football season. We're entering into that right now. The pastor's been a preacher for 40 years. He's a seasoned pastor. Season comes from experience in anything. He's got years and years, and he is a seasoned pastor. To everything, there is a season. He didn't just fall off a log and learn the scripture. He didn't just fall off a log and know how to counsel people and know how to, how to, how to uh, look at someone and say, hey, something's wrong. That comes from seasoned, being seasoned. There's a hunting season. There's a mating season for animals. After the millennium, Satan will be loosed, loosed for a little season. So as, as Solomon talks in, his verse, in chapter 3, verse 1, to everything, there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. And back down to verse 11, he, God, has made everything beautiful in his time. Everything works out. We may never see the end of it. We see the end of some things, but this has been going on since the beginning of time that God's work will never be able to figure it out from start to finish. We're going to leave a whole lot on this earth that we'll never understand until we get there. But God continues to work. Okay, so we're going to kick back uh, for a second in, in the, to Psalms and look at some of the things that David said that Solomon actually pulled from. We'll start with uh, Psalms 39. Let's see if I thought I had it marked here. Psalms 39. Now you can see that Solomon was raised by David. Had, as he began to write the book he wrote, he pulled a lot from his father's teaching. Psalms 39, verse 1. I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. 
We'll get to that in just, just as we get further along into Ecclesiastes. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. That's Christian character. We all have faults. We all fall. We all sin. We all. But sometimes, you know, they, when, when sinners are before us, we need to be extra careful about what we say and what we do and how we behave ourselves. Save our garbage for the house to vent. Don't vent it out in public. I was dumb with silence. I held my peace even from good, and my sorrow was stirred. My heart was within me. My heart was hot within me while I, while I was musing the fire burned. Then I spake with my tongue. What he's saying is, though he was so angry at some times, he didn't show it out publicly. He was on fire inside. He wanted to lash out. He wanted to, 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 to take care of business. But he held his peace until it was the time to do it. The season of time. There is a time to talk. There is a time to deal with things. But not instantly like that. Then he goes on to say, Lord, make me to know mine end. He's not saying, tell me how I'm going to die. He said, help me just bring it back home, Lord. You know, I'm going to die one day. And all of this stuff is not going to matter. Help me to keep in remembrance that I'm just dust. That I am going to die. And this little feud here, this little thing here, this little thing, all of that's not going to matter. Help me to know my end, Lord. Help me to keep in mind that, that this don't matter. My season right now, your season right now, what you're going through right now, God knows the end. God, and my understanding that there's a time and a purpose and everything is beautiful in His time, that's where our faith comes in, to turn it over. Just let Him have it. It's His season. Everything is beautiful in His time, not our time. And that's where we get confused a lot of times. Or not confused, but we lash out with our Why did you let this happen, Lord? That's wrong. It, that didn't catch, like preacher says sometimes, that didn't catch God by surprise. He knows the beginning. He knows the end. He set it in place. Do you know that you could be going through a trial in your life at any time and God allows it to increase your faith. To, to, are you going to break? Show me. Let, you know, he did it to Job. Why wouldn't he do it to us? I mean, we're no different. We try to live. We try to, we, we, we try to go, we, we worship. We praise. And all. Let's see. He's not going to put on us more than we can handle. But too many of us want to sit back and say, why did you let this happen, Lord? Why is this in my life? But we fail to realize that it's going to be beautiful in his time. He has set it in place so that he makes everything beautiful. Verse 4 again, Psalms 39. Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days what it is, that I may know how frail I am. Uh, my wife has got another first cousin. You know, she has lost 13 first cousins in the last five years to, to early age. 
She had, he was 68 years old. I worked with her. His name's Joe Gibson. I worked with him for 30-some years at the plant. And I knew him before I knew my wife. After I married her and we met the family, he was 68 years old. He got up to go to the bathroom, and he was, he's living with another fellow, his other cousin. Their cousins were living together. He said, man, I need some help, and dropped dead. Heart attack. This was two weeks last week. Ain't been a week. 68 years old. Now, I know this man. He didn't give how frail life was a thought. I've known him my whole life. I said, well, since I was 19, we worked together. And I know his life. Though he said, yeah, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. You know, never darkened the door of a church. There was no fruit. There was no evidence of it. Now, I can't judge the man, but, but when I go by a cornfield, I don't have to jump out the car and say, that's a cornfield. It identifies itself. You just drive by, you don't pay attention to it. It's corn. I mean, you don't have to judge it that it's a corn. So when somebody's life is nothing but riotous the entire life, you don't have to sit there, you're lost and you're going to hell. You're, you're thinking to your heart, man, he's got it all wrong. That, that's what Solomon says. When you increase wisdom and knowledge, it increases sorrow. You can see people like that, that think they're right. Everybody thinks we're right. I think I'm right. I really do. You think you're right. That's how you live. You think you're right. Everybody lives how they think is right. But when you boil it down to the scripture, the scripture says what's right. And that's what we go with. It's the scripture. So what I, my opinion, that's the beauty of heaven is what it's going to be, is there will be not one opinion in heaven, not one. And so what we, let's get back to this verse. Behold, thou hast made my days as a handbreadth, and my age is nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Now, vanity is total emptiness outside of redemption, total emptiness outside of God. Whatever is everything you work for, everything you slave for, everything you go, it's going to be left behind, and we're going to die, and it's going to be gone. So. This and that and this and that and this and that teach us to number our days. Because teach me how frail I actually am because it's going to fuck. I, I could die tomorrow. That's why I mentioned those deaths I just did. A month ago, Brother James had no idea he was going to pass. My dad, when he passed March 11th, he didn't know. I, just, I mean, I've got, I've got one of the priceless things in my life that I've got. I wish I'd have brought it. I found it the other day. For two years, I've been taking him to our retirement dinner. And he says, you know that little mic, that I homemade mic that I made? It's a little mic that you, you gauge it to where it's just like paper thin. And we, we, he used to work on turbines. Now get this, picture this. 36,000 horsepower. Turbines as big as this platform right here. And they would have shutdowns in the plant and they would, they would spend forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 on little parts to try to fix it and all. And the foreman would say, go get Jimmy. Every single time, go get Jimmy. 
And he would come out and he would laugh and he would pull this little homemade thing out that he made out of the, he will, he, I'd have to show it to you. And he would get up there and I would be working in operations and he would be in maintenance and he would be down in that turbine and he'd get that thing lined up just right with that little mic. He made for nothing, scrap parts from the plant. And that turbine would be up and running in no time. Go get Jimmy. Go get Jimmy. Go get Jimmy. And I saw this for years while I worked with him. And I brought that in to say, you know what? He, he wanted me for two years now. He said, bring that to the retirement. And I want to joke around with the other foremans and just pull it out and just hold it up. Because they would just shake their head. And uh, they would curse about it. They said, they would, they would say things that I'm not going to say here. But I found it the other day. He had given it to me about five years ago. And he, for two years, yes, I could not find it. So small. And I was in my shed the other day, and I pulled I, There it is. And I got out there, and I just had to look up it. Lord God, just let him look down and look at it. Just let him see I got it. Because I told him I couldn't find it. He was heartbroken over that. He, he, he wanted to have fun with that. But I said, Lord, just let him see that I got it. If I ever go to another one, I'm going to pull it out for you. But he didn't know he was going to die. At that point, he knew he was going to die one day. Nobody knows their day. Okay, we were just in, so let's go to Psalms, that was uh, 39, right? Yep. Let's go to 37 real quick. I've got these marked down. Well, I don't want, might not want to go there yet. Let's go back to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and I'll review just a little bit what we just said about the season. Ecclesiastes 3.1, to everything, there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. Now, we said that there's a season of fall, winter, spring, and summer, season series that come on TV, a seasoned preacher, seasoned food for taste, a hunting season, Satan will be loose for a season and millennium. I'm just reviewing a little bit for the backing up. Made a season for animals. Everything has got a season. Every single thing has got a season and God has made everything beautiful in his time. Verse 11 says, he hath made everything beautiful in his time, although we want it now. We'll never see some of the end. We never will. Psalms 103. We'll start with verse uh, 1. Let's, let's start with verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all of thine iniquities, who healeth all of thy diseases, who redeemeth life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and mercy, tender mercies, who satisfy thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like eagle's wings. Let's go to verse 10. And this, is, this, is, this, is, this affects every one of us. He hath not dealt with us after our sins. See, we are all frail. We're all going to sin. 
as we talked about just a little while ago, it's what you do publicly, your testimony. It can take you 50 years to earn, to earn and live a good testimony and lose it in 30 seconds publicly, instantly. Nor rewarded us according to our iniquities, for as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like a father pities his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him. And here's where I'm getting back to Ecclesiastes right here, verse 14. For he knoweth our frame. He remembers that we are just dust. This hundred years we got here on this earth, this, according to some of our relatives, they leave it 50 years. Some of them, some kids die. But he knows our beginning and end. But he knows that we are nothing but dust. We can't, we can't keep up with his holiness. It's impossible. He, in fact, it says that all of our righteousness, everything that we think is right, everything we think is good, is filthy in his eyes. Filthy rags. Okay, verse 14 again. For he knoweth our frame and remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass as a flower in the, of the field. So he flourisheth. The wind passes over it and it is gone. And the place thereof shall it show no more. Shall it know no more. And that's what Solomon was, was, was teaching us here in, in chapter 2. That you can get so depressed. You work and you got all this stuff and you say, man, I'm going to leave it to somebody that don't deserve it. I'm going to leave it. It's gonna, it's gonna, I'm doing all of this stuff and then I'm going to die and it's going to be left to somebody that, that, that's worthless. Because every single one of us, there's an event to all of us, and that's death. And, he, and we've already covered a lot of that. So now we're going to move forward. And, 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 and the, the sum of this lesson is under the sun is, why do we try to search things that are beyond our understanding? We do not know the work of God from the beginning to the end. And that was, we already covered that. There's no way you can figure it out and no man has ever done it. And yet we question God, why, Lord? Why do you let this happen? Why did you let this happen? Why? Instead of, I'm nothing but dust, that don't matter. I'm going to be gone and somebody else, I'm going to enjoy life while I've got it under the sun. I'm going to eat, I'm going to drink, and what good I've got and what good I can enjoy, I'm going to enjoy that because that's a gift of God. I'm going, what, I can't worry about what that. I can't worry about what you do. I can't worry about what you do. I can if it affects my family and we can deal with it, but I, I, I just can't in my own personal life get caught up in stuff to where I don't enjoy anything. We have to enjoy what little bit of brief time we have here on this earth because it's going to be gone just like that. Nobody knows Hey, in three months I'm going to die unless you're sick and the doctor says you got six months or less. Averagely, most people don't walk around saying, well, I got another month. We don't know. We have no idea. It could be tonight for any of us. Gone. So what we did yesterday won't matter. Uh, do you know, I mean, you got a little age on you. What, you're 60, 65? <laughs> 
Do you know, go back three generations, do you know who your great, great, great grandfather is? Three generations. You do know? Do do you know what he did, where he was born? Do you know if he played football? Did he collect cards? Did he collect coins? Did he what did what did he do? Where did he anything at all about his life other than his name? And do you know that in three generations, we're gonna we're not even nobody will even know who we are. Forever. Under the sun. So getting worked up. I know people who treat church and treat their spiritual life, they come late to everything and the first ones to leave. And this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. Hey, tomorrow might not be here. Why come late and take it all in? Why leave early? Take it all. See somebody get saved. You know, not just here. I'm talking about the entire church in the world. People treat the, the spiritual life like a yo-yo. It's up and down, up and down, up and down. I've heard the pastor say once before, if you want to see somebody that's, if you, if you see somebody that's in constant trouble, all these problems, all these bring in two things. Go ask the secretary for your tithing record and bring your Bible. I don't know if he does that. But that's good, that's good analogy. Because if the tithing record is like this, that's gonna, your spiritual life is going to follow. We're not teaching on tithing this morning. If your Bible reading is like this, read it today, not tomorrow. Read it today, not tomorrow. I guarantee you you're, that's exactly what our spiritual life is going to be like. Every single time. Or God's a liar. God, that, that's scripture. People want to know why they have all these personal problems. It's, it's, it boils down to, the, to, to how they actually treat their spiritual life. Because we're all spirits. This body is just a house for the spirit. Okay. Second Timothy chapter 4. Real quick. I know I'm covering several scriptures, but some of it's important because we're talking about a season under the sun. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, long-suffering, and doctrine. What that means is be ready to answer anybody at any given time. Don't have to, well, I don't know that. I have to get back with I mean, some... Nobody's going to ask you some far things deep about religion, about revelation. You know, what are these ten horses with the ten horns? Nobody's going to ask you that. But they might ask you something basic. Be ready to answer. Be, have, have, be seasoned enough in this word. Be instant in season and out of season. It don't, but if, you, if you meditate on that, wintertime, everything's dormant. What I do, what, what, what most farmers do, they're, they go get their seed. They make sure the tractor's got the oil changed. They make sure they've got the, 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 all the stuff ready because they know if they're not, if they wait till it's springtime, they're not going to, they're not going to be, get a good crop. They're not going to plant. You have to be ready. 
So your spiritual life, when, when Timothy's talking about, be instant. In season. So if you ask, now I, might not, I don't know it all. I'm telling you that. But you ask me pretty much anything. I'm not boasting. Don't get me wrong. But I am on my 30th. I've been through this Bible cover to cover 29 times. I'm on my 30th. I, I'm just scratching the surface. But I can guarantee you, if you've got a question about this Bible, I can turn to it and find it. Not that I'm anything. But a, it's in here. Like, sometimes I still curse. Oh, I was around the 30-some years in the plant. I drop a wrench when I'm working on a vehicle. I say, Have. But then I go to the, but I don't lay my head in the bed at night and don't get that under the blood. And that's how our spiritual life is. You can take a bucket of water and put a drop of food coloring in and the whole thing will turn red. And that's like, a, that's like our lives. It's just, we got sin in there and it's in there. But that, like the bucket of water, you start putting clean water in. You start putting clean water in. You get a bigger bucket and you start putting clean water in. Pretty soon you put enough clean water in and that red food coloring is going to disappear. But it's still in there, if that makes sense. It's still there. That's what the scripture does to our lives. We're all filthy. We're all right. But you put enough word in. You pour the word in and you dilute it to where it's not right there. You, you dilute it so your life is clean. You dilute it so so that you so that you can be instant and easy. If you ask me something, we're gonna find. If I don't know it, we're gonna sit down together and find it out. We're gonna we're gonna find out. And so that goes. That's back to it's going back to Second Timothy. Be ready, instant. Be ready in season and out of season. No matter what season it is, be ready to give an answer to anybody who's asked for hope. And you know what your answer could be? Just walking in the store with a smile on your face. That's being in season. Somebody, man, he sure is a happy person. I wonder what's, for most people say, he's got, a believer will say, he's got to be a Christian. As dark as this world, he's got to be a Christian. He's got to be a Christian. And I've had people come up to me, not that I'm anything special, say, what church do you go to? I said, why do you ask that? Because you look happy. <laughs> Isn't that something? That's a testimony. But you take the light that's been people's eyes today. They're walking like this. And the Bible says that if the light that's in you is full of darkness, that darkness is going to be so great that people are going to sit there and, man... Let's, let's get on away from here. But if you're walking around bright-eyed and you're smiling and you, and you got some energy and, and you're full of life, that light is going to shine and people are going to be attracted to that. I'm not talking about in Matthew where he talks about the beam of light and the, and the moats, but that's, that's how our lives are. Be energized. Be ready in, in season and out of season. Okay. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 10 I have seen the travail which God has given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. Travail is painful effort. God has seen the challenges that are in your life. He is, for a Christian, we're going through it. We're going to go through it. But God knows the end 
and he knows the beginning and the end, and he's, he has sent it there because if he puts a trial in your life and you seek him and seek his guidance and you seek his glory and you seek his majesty and see, Lord, you said right there in the next verse, he has made everything beautiful in his time. Verse 11. And also has set the world in heart so that no man can find out the work that God make, make it from the beginning to the end. So you already know the end. I just got to turn it over. Just, just turn it over. That's faith. Because we're going to have travail. We're going to have problems. We're going to have death. We're going to have sickness. We're going to have... But don't, like the pastor says sometimes, don't manufacture it. Don't stir you all up so that you can be over here and just, just, just be full of life. Because we're all going to have travail. Every single one of us. That's part of life. So the Bible says it's nothing better, but hey, just enjoy what you got because you could be gone tomorrow. Think about it. Where'd the last 10 years go? Where did the last 20 years, where did the last 50 years go? It's gone. And we'll blink our eyes and another 10 years are going to go. So stuff don't matter. What matters is apart from redemption under the sun, just enjoy the life that God gives us every single day. Love your families. Love your, love your preacher. Love, love your church. Love God. Just, 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 just some, give somebody a call that we have. Just get in love with life. What little bit of time we have. Because our days are numbered. Every one of them. All right, let me find, let me go to the next page here. Okay. I'm going to go to chapter five, and I'm going to spend a whole lot more time on this the next time I teach. Verse five, I mean, chapter five, verse one of Ecclesiastes. I'm going to, I told you, I'm not going to be able to get to those other scriptures. Keep your foot when you go to the house of God. And be more ready to hear than to give sacrifice to fools. That means don't get in there and start, hey, just sit back and enjoy what God gives us. Just sit back and enjoy the, 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 the message. Enjoy the service. And come early and stay late. Be not rash with your mouth. And here's where I'm going to get ready into next time. This is really, really cool, folks. I'm telling you. Be not rash with thy mouth and let not thy heart be hasty to utter anything before God. God is in heaven. And now upon the earth, let therefore thy words, let the words be few. We're talking about the house of God. And I'm going to skip ahead real quick because I've got to finish. Verse 6. And this is where we're going to get some powerful stuff next time, folks. I'm telling you, I've got seven pages of stuff here that's going to really bless your heart. Suffer not your mouth to cause your flesh to sin, neither say before the angel, we're going to talk about angels, that it was an error. Wherefore should God be angry at your voice and destroy the works of your hands? Hebrews chapter 1, and I'm going to have to end with this. Because i got a whole lot coming up, coming on this. I'm not going to be able to get to it and show you all the scriptures where, where the Bible says that Jesus is set down on the right hand of God. But God did not say to any angel, sit down on my right hand until I make the energies and put Christ there. So verse 13 of chapter 1 of Hebrews. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. 
These are talking about angels now. Verse 14, are they not all ministering spirits set forth to minister them who shall be heirs of salvation? A minister is a servant. Are they not all servants to serve those that are saved, to serve us? So if we're sitting here with our mouth and we start saying, God, why are you doing this? Why? Listen, the Bible says that the angels hearken to the voice of his word. When we start speaking God's word, angels have to respond to that. We put voice to this word. The angels, they're, they're there for us to serve us. Thousands and thousands of them. We all have a guardian angel. Don't say before the angel that God has assigned to you that God, you made a mistake here. I'm going to have to stop. We're going to get deeper into that. It's, it's tremendous. The tools we have as Christians to just make it while we're under the sun. We don't have to make it up there. And I'm, that's why I've took Ecclesiastes verse by verse by verse from the wisest man that ever walked this earth so I can find out how to make it while I'm here. I won't have any worries there. I won't have any questions there. I won't have to win souls there. I won't have to live right there. But while I'm under the sun, I do. And I want to know how to make it. I want to know how to do best for my family, for my church, for my, for, for everybody. I just want to be, be used because my life is like a vapor. It's here for a minute and the wind's going to blow it. It's going to be like a dust of the, it's going to be like grass gone. And in three generations, if God tarries, nobody will know anything about me. The only thing I'm going to take with me is somebody else that I've helped with a handshake or a smile or leading them to Christ. Their souls. Being instrumental in that. And uh, I'm going to have to stop. I don't want to stop, but I got to. You listen to Deacon Danny Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.